Oh boy. And they're going to go look at it. But first, Yvonne Barton called over by the video assistant referee to check. Now his foot's over. This one's going to come back. We'll do it again. And he will send Yvonne Barton to the screen. It is a penalty. We're going to have a video review in the 96th minute for that Velarde challenge. What does Yvonne Barton do? Wow. Oh, he gives the penalty. Sounders with a penalty for the second time tonight, courtesy of VAR. Football America's live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside my good buddy Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar for what I'm sure, Hercules, will be a controversy and drama-free episode 122 of this show. <laughs> About 122 minutes of drama and controversy. Man, that bar was put to use. Woo! <laughs> Uh, I will say so. Plenty more on that uh, coming up in this edition of Football Americas, which, of course, you can download via podcast. But, Herc, we got a lot to discuss because, of course, uh, Mexico was in action last night against Guatemala down in Orlando. Our good friend Mauricio Pedrosa going to join us uh, in just a little bit to discuss that match. We got an NWSL regular season preview a little bit later on in the show. Of course, uh, they're kicking things off on Friday. That's right. The Challenge Cup goes first and then comes the regular season when it comes to the NWSL. Um, we've got an exclusive interview, too, with Yunus Musa, ahead of a big game for Valencia, plus exclusive footage, Herc, of my goal last night at the Congressional Soccer Match. But we will start with something at least slightly more important. That's the CONCACAF Champions League. First leg last night in Mexico City between Seattle and Pumas. What a sight. 42,000 no! fans in attendance in the rain. Meritao touching the cup. Before things get going, I'm sure that's going to make some people nervous. Pick this one up in the 32nd minute. Juan Dineno. Oh, no, this is the uh, just before that. Here's Juan Dineno getting into the box. And it's called a penalty, Herc. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was soft. I thought Arriaga got the ball first. Doesn't matter what I think. It goes to the spot. And Stefan Fry comes up bigger, does he? Well, he does come up big. He made the save, but he left the line just that little bit early. Second chance for Dineno converts. Uh, I hate that rule. I hate it, but them's the rules. And Dineno does well on the second go-around, converts it. Mr. Conca champions. And look at Lidini. He's wired up. That was Dineno's eighth goal so far in the competition. Free kick here. Nico Lodero almost getting the job done. Worries for Pumas. Alan Mosso going down. Yeah, he's been massive all year for them. Oh, no. Joao Paulo. Joao Paulo. <laughs> Great chance there for Seattle. 1-0 into the second half. Make it 2. Dineno, the smashing header. Yeah, you might want to mark that guy. Uh, he does very well in the air. Very well in this tournament. What is that, number 9? Nine? 9. 9 leads the tournament. All of the CONCACAF Champions League. He's Mr. CCL. How did Raul Ruiz miss this, Herc? You know what? This is Talavera. That's a okay. great save from Talavera. Could he have done better? Maybe. But this right here is so unlucky for Bofo Salcedo. It's a handball. Or was it? That's a little shove in the back right there from Ariaga. Mm. But in the end, the penalty call stands. Talavera talking all sorts of smack to Lodeiro. What a moment, Herc. Yeah, uh, you want me to translate uh, no. Nico Lodeiro's lips right no. there? No, I want to sure? keep my job. All yeah. Right. Okay. So it's 2-1 right. at that point. The comeback uh, not quite done for Seattle. They get another penalty in the 97th. 
Yeah, Chispa Velarde, you can't go in like that. And look at Nico Lodeiro. He puts it in the back of the net. Oh, and he's still talking. Yeah, look, he was about to take that shirt off too. Christian Rodan said, no, 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 keep it on. And then look at this. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, lots of heat after this one. Dinero and Sense thought the referee was making fun of him. Everybody wanted a piece of Nico Lodero there, as you can see. Uh, both teams very, very, very intense at the end of that match. Can't wait for the Ooh. second leg uh, in, what, now six days' time. All right, Herc, uh, first question here. I'm supposed to ask you what's the better headline, but really what I want to know is what's the more accurate headline. Did the Sounders take a well-earned draw on the road, or did Pumas choke? No, the Sounders had a well-earned draw. And why I say that it is it's partly circumstantial, but I have a real hard time, Sebi, thinking the Pumas team choked. This is a team that was already very thin. The Neno's playing on one leg, scores two goals. Alan Mosso goes out with an injury. He's a leading assist man for Pumas. He's the guy who actually makes them tick. This is an already depleted team. Arturo Ortiz, he's playing with the national team because he's suspended for this game, and they're up 2-0. And then in a mo more circumstantial way, you could probably say Sebastián Salcedo handball, okay, but should the PK have gone through? Should it have been uh, verified or, or actually counted? Arriaga with a little bit of a shove there. I've got a real issue saying Pumas choked. Mm. I think Pumas did what they could in this game, and actually that was a very entertaining game at that. But I think Seattle Sounders ended up getting a very good result in the most Seattle Sounder type of way. You could say what you want, but we've seen this movie many times, Seb. How many times have you seen a, Mex or a team in Mexico play against a Major League Soccer team in Mexico. And this Major League Soccer team, when the chips are down, choke. Deer in the headlights type of look, and they choke. That wasn't the case. I actually think this is mm -hmm. a pretty fair result. Hmm. So I think Pumas is definitely the more disappointed of the two teams, right? You didn't win at home. But I think you're right here in that Seattle has something to be disappointed about, especially if you think about that first half. Not the result in any way, uh, but what maybe could have been. In that first half, there was chance after chance yeah. for Seattle to get maybe two, maybe three. We look at it now as an incredible comeback, but Seattle certainly had their uh, opportunities as well. They could have done more, and I actually don't think it was the best of Seattle, huh? There was the, the lax finishing, and I think you can point at the stars for Seattle and say they didn't have their best game either. Right? Raul Ruiz didn't finish as he usually does. And even Nicolodero, the moment's huge. He converts the penalties, but he wasn't the same Nicolodero that you usually see. That all said, Pumas definitely blew this match, right? You're up 2 nothing. You're Blue. at home. Mm. You, have, you, have a, you have a great crowd. You got a, mm. a good home crowd advantage. Even though it was raining, it was pouring, the people still showed up uh, in Mexico City. If you're up 2 nothing and you give up a goal in the 97th minute, and the goal that you give up to let the other team back in is on a I know you say unlucky. I think kind of dumb penalty from Saucedo there. Um, I think that if this was Cruz Azul, Hurt, wouldn't we be saying Cruz Azul Yar? I mean, wouldn't we be calling this a Cruz Azul Yada? I do think Pumas blew it. Maybe you think Seattle is more worthy of the headline, but Pumas played a role, and I wonder if you agree with me on this. I thought at 2-0, maybe Pumas was lucky to be up 2-0, but they had about a half hour before Seattle got the goal to cut that lead in half. And I felt like Pumas pulled their foot off the gas pedal just that little bit. I don't know if that's to blame the players. I don't know if that's credit to Seattle. But I think at least some of it must fall on the manager who we've given a lot of credit to here. And that's Andres Lilini. As much as Seattle missed some chances, Pumas had some chances up 2-0 to really put Seattle out. 
and they missed those as well. What chances are those? I saw a Pumas team that was doing what they could with the personnel they had. I actually texted Mauricio and another producer uh, during this game, and I was like, man, the uh, the climate, the, this uh, thin air is really affecting, the altitude is really affecting Pumas because they looked out of gas. That half an hour you're talking about, that's what we're talking about there. Now I'll ask you, Sebi, here. Uh, you, you're saying they blew it. Did you think that was a foul on Arriaga? Do you think Arriaga may have pushed right there Friday? <laughs> oh, this guy's such an Americanista. It's unbelievable. So this is where I say, like you say, Salcedo, you can say whatever you want, but I, I've got a real problem with saying Pumas blew it given the context and the circumstances. Okay. And I understand that may have been a controversial penalty for both teams, but given everything, I've got a real issue with saying Pumas blew it. Okay. You don't want to say Pumas blew it. And the next guy that we're going to hear from definitely doesn't want to say Pumas blew it. But he did say something interesting. Here's Pumas manager Andrés Lirini. Más allá de que el primer penal hay una falta muy clara a Igor Meritao que no se cobra. Entonces eso sí tiene incidencia en el juego y en una final más todavía. Ahora vamos allá, una cancha muy complicada contra, vuelvo a repetir, ustedes lo han visto, el rival muy difícil. Ojalá que el arbitraje sea neutral y no tenga nada, ningún tipo de incidencia en nada. Entonces, realmente el que gane, que lo gane haciendo bien las cosas. All right, Herc, so I thought, you know me with my malinchista ways, I thought that this might be worthy of a guest loss. One, because he, he talks about the foul that you mentioned, right? And he right. says a very clear foul. If that was very clear for anybody out there, that's on you. I don't think that was a very clear foul uh, on Meritao in that play, but that's just me. Beyond that, he says basically a criticism of the official. It's complaining. He's looking ahead towards the next game, so he's conditioning. You add all that up, and I don't know, man. It feels like a guy who's making excuses. And at the end of the day, I don't really think that the VAR is why Pumas didn't win that game. Again, I go back to what I just said. I think it's on them. Yeah, I don't know if it's on them or more of what Seattle did or didn't let Pumas do. Uh, but I will say this. We've got to look at context. I think he's talking about in general because you can clearly go in there and say, well, Seattle you could feel hard done with the refereeing as well. So I think he's trying to say like, hey, we both just want to play football. We want to play soccer. We want it to be a good game. We, right now, it came out tablas. It came out even where it was one and one Let's not let it be something where one gets one over the other in Seattle. And I don't think he's wrong about that. Everything I've seen of Andres Lilini leads me to believe he's a well-educated man, he's a gentleman, and he's a very good coach. And he happens to respect the Seattle Sounders a lot. I saw a post-game interview with him where he's on another network, and these guys who know very little about Major League Soccer are trying to badmouth the defensive line of the Seattle Sounders, these typical stereotypes that they're, uh, they're throwing his way, and he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, this is a very good team. These are very good players. I know them from here. He dissected and analyzed the Seattle Sounders, gave them their respect. He knows what he's going up against. I see where you're coming from, but I think you may be reading a little bit too, in too much into this. I'm known to do that from time to time. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't hear Brian Schmetzer saying as much about the officials after last night's game, though he did, he did acknowledge it was a crazy match. It would take uh, quite some time to unpack that. By the way, the first CCL final with VAR, and in the first leg alone, Herc, uh, we have three penalties. So I think we have a lot to look forward to in the future. So here's where we at. All Seattle right. going home, 2-2 into the second leg. I mean, you basically, at this point, you got one hand on that trophy. So if we think that, is it a fracaso from here on out if the Sounders don't win the CONCACAF Champions League? Huge fracaso. 
the biggest fracaso in Major League Soccer's history in this competition uh, because of who the Seattle Sounders are and who Pumas are in this moment. Pumas was already limping into this game. Juan Dineno was on one leg, scored two goals. Yes, Alan Mosso was their leading assist man, was there. The heartbeat of that team down the right-hand side, the guy who kind of made them tick, he's out. His season may be in doubt. Uh, that freak accident that happened, uh, so he may be gone. This is a team that's already thin, going up against the bar of Major League Soccer, easily the best team in the last decade. You want to talk about finals, you want to talk about winning consistently, you want to talk about culture, you want to talk about ownership, you want to talk about actual team, spending the right way, doing the right things, fan environment, where they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing in a stadium that's going to have north of 50,000 fans in and attendance. And Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, one of them. Uh, this would be a huge fracaso because of, on paper right now, they are and you shouldn't be scared to say it. Overwhelming favorites. Uh, Pumas has to go into Chivas. Uh, who did Pumas play against uh, this week? I'm sorry. Chivas, Pachuca. Right? Pachuca. Pachuca. No, no, it's not Pachuca. Whoever they play against this week. Uh, and it's a must-win game for them. It's a must-win game for Pumas. If they have any hope of going on to the next round, going on to that play-in game. Okay? This team right now is so thin. And the Sounders are so stacked, so good, on paper, it blows out the Montreal, it blows out the Salt Lake, it blows out the Toronto matchups. It would be a huge fracaso for the Seattle Sounders if they don't win at home. And a missed opportunity, because you know, you know as much as everybody else around MLS may not want to see the Seattle Sounders be the first team from MLS to win the CONCACAF Champions League, the folks in Seattle, they want it real bad. And here's the reality, sometime soon, whether it's this year or not, an MLS team is going to break through. And this is as good a chance as, yeah, MLS has had, but it's as good a chance, Herc, as the Seattle Sounders are likely to have in the next couple of years as well. You're not going to probably run into a, a weak Pumas or a team this week uh, in another final if you are Seattle, even if you are lucky enough to get back. And as good as Seattle is, it's not like they make the CONCACAF Champions League final every year. So this is a unique opportunity. You know, it would be a huge failure um, if they can't make it. And I'm with you on the state of Pumas. Huh? There's not just the Pachuca match this weekend, which, yes, that is who they're playing. And they do, you know, have to spread their limited resources, as you say, uh, awfully thin because they need something out of that match if they're going to make it uh, into La Liguilla. Probably. Maybe they can get wide with a draw or, or maybe a defeat and, and get through, but probably need something from that match. The Alan Mosso injury as well is a big one. And, and maybe Huge. there's some, like, psychological letdown too, right? Imagine if they were to not just have blown it in the first leg, but also lose to Pachuca on the weekend. You're basically looking at like the worst week in Pumas history uh, if you don't get it done against Seattle. So I could see a lot of pressure right there. Real quick, give me a percentage. Pumas percentage chance to win. To win? Uh, 40? Wow, really? Yeah, because... Uh, I thought, see, you just said Seattle were huge favorites. 40% yeah. gives Pumas way too much Yeah, of a but because of what I know from this Pumas team, when they're the underdogs is when they perform the best. I actually think they perform better in that role. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give them a, more than a fighter's chance in this one. All right, uh, second leg then next Wednesday at Lumen Field in Seattle. But before that, we got uh, Major League Soccer on ESPN. Got some coming for you on Sunday. Nashville against the Philadelphia Union. Philly right now first place in Major League Soccer's Eastern Conference. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, let's change it up, Herc. Get into the international games. Mexico and Guatemala playing in a friendly last night down in Orlando. Everybody waiting for Marcelo Flores, so he started the game on the bench. Fifth minute, Roberto Alvarado to Senecas, the header over the bar. 42nd minute just before the half, Sebastián Córdoba narrowly missing. Into the second half, still scoreless. Mexico still struggling. Another opportunity, uh, this one off target. On the hour mark, there it is. We finally get to see Marcelo Flores, Herc. You're excited, he's finally in the game, but Guatemala's got some uh, plans of their own. Probably the best chance, most clear chance right there. And very lucky Mexico. Oh, Luis Chavez, he's got a little left foot on him, huh? Yep, that was probably Mexico's best chance. Unfortunately, it came from a set piece. Late chance here, Santiago Jimenez. Hey, got a shot on goal. There's something there. Hmm. So Mexico then in Orlando finishes with another frustrating 0-0 draw. Nothing frustrating about our next guest, Mauricio Pedrosa, who joins us on Football Americas. Mao and I were hanging out without Hercules Gomez, as one would like, in Connecticut earlier this week. Wow, the dirt. All of the bad stuff that we were saying about Herc when you got the two of us good together. Times. That was a good time. Good times, good times, boys. Uh, we miss you, Herc. But I hope your your ears were not were not ringing profoundly <laughs> while you were asleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all nice things. <laughs> all right. So uh, even though there weren't many goals and admittedly even fewer highlights, uh, I think there's still much to discuss from this game. But before we get everybody's uh, opinion on what happened, the main storyline from this was Marcelo Flores. He didn't start. He played the last half hour. Let's hear from Tata Martino's assistant Jorge Tiller, who kind of explained what the plan was with Flores. A ver, eh, yo creo que, bueno, eh, por supuesto que sería bueno que pueda jugar el 90, pero hay otros jugadores que también necesitan jugar, necesitamos ver, y esto hay que llevarlo con tiempo, ya por ahí más adelante Marcelo tendrá su minuto de juego y eso lo valorará, evaluará Tata para ver cuándo le corresponde o cuándo pensará Tata que le, para jugar los 90 minutos o no. Pero bueno, son cosas que esa la va, la va, a, ir viendo, va a ir viendo Gerardo con el transcurrir del tiempo. Yo creo que Marcelo, como, te, como le dije a Mauricio hace la primera pregunta, eh, yo creo que tiene muchas condiciones y un chico que todavía tiene que aprender mucho, pero que está muy bien evaluado acá en la selección y tiene muchas posibilidades de, de seguir siendo evaluado. Eso es lo, lo importante. Jorge Tiro de Leading Mexico with Tata Martino unable to travel. Time now for another edition of Three Questions. Guys, the first one, did Marcelo Flores' stock go up after last night's performance? What do you think, Mal? Yeah, it did. And I'm going to give you two reasons for that. First of all, 
his own performance. I liked a lot of things he did on ball. First of all, he always tried to be aggressive. He was not intimidated by wearing the Mexican national jersey. He, he looks good in the Mexican national jersey, and every time he had a chance, he tried to be aggressive. He tried to create important plays. I know there are no really highlights of him with a through pass or, or, or a clear chance, but the fact that the stage didn't look too big for him, I like that a lot. So he belongs there. That's reason number one. Reason number two, there are not a lot of players that had good performances that, had, that those performances would lead us to say, well, this is a better player than Marcelo Flores. So I would definitely pick this or that player over Marcelo Flores. So there's not a lot of talent in that very young team that Mexico presented uh, Wednesday night. So yeah, for those two reasons, I believe his stock did go up. Yeah, uh, neither. Ni fu ni fa. And I'm thinking a lot about this because if you think about what happened to Marcelo Flores this week and, and the Mexican Federation and the Mexican National Team put him out there and they give him an interview with Duda Ene and English is clearly his more dominant language. Uh, he gives these statements in Spanish and it leads many... Uh, it leaves many, excuse me, with an uncomfortable feeling about Marcelo Flores, like he's only trying to play for a World Cup spot, like he's a mercenary type. And I think he was trying too much. So when I look at him play in this game, he always wanted to take guys on, oftentimes holding onto the ball way too long, drawing two to three defenders and then playing the ball back, or playing these lazy square balls that would get picked off and come right back down their throat. Uh, the statistics were not in his favor. I think he only accomplished one dribble the whole game. He only uh, beat one guy. Uh, other than that, I thought it was a subpar performance. But I will tell you this. Here's what Marcelo Flores does have. Every time he was on the ball, mm. I paid a little bit more of attention. Yeah. Every time he was on the ball, I perked up. Every time he took a dribble, I'm like, what's he going to do? He immediately wanted to be dangerous, and that left me with the sensation of wanting to see more. And that's what he leaves the fan base with every time he's on the ball. Mao? The reason for that is because we all know that even though he hasn't played with Arsenal's first team, the things that we have seen from him, the conclusion is he's very talented. So Herc is right. Every time he touches the ball, we pay attention because we know what he's capable of doing with the, with the ball. The other players around him, not that much. I'll give him stock up relative to the guys that were on the field with him, as you guys say, last night, because nobody really played well. But I don't know if his stock is going up relative to the guys that he's actually chasing for a spot in Qatar, which is, to your point, Herc, the quotes that came out this week. You know, he's not talking about the 2026 World Cup. When he's talking about World Cups, he's talking about 2022. If he's trying to get into this team... By 2022, I feel like we should have seen a little bit more, even in half an hour against Guatemala. Maybe not, maybe not dominating the game, but, but Mao, at least like one of those through balls, at least like one moment of magic. Even when he was brave, Mao, even when he was brave, it didn't necessarily come off. And again, we have to acknowledge the level of competition that he's going here to. But quickly, Mao, to Herc's point, do you have any issues, any worries? Yeah with the Federation and how Tata Martino are, are handling this situation. Because we also heard last week what I would describe as maybe some unwelcoming quotes from Tata Martino talking about a player and the decision with Canada and Mexico and the World Cup. Yeah, I think the coaching staff, including Tata Martino, I think they're dropping the ball in a very, very bad way. And it's not the first time. Tata Martino's relationship with different players has really been very, very disappointing. Not only the things that he has said about Marcelo Flores, but the way he handled 
Carlos Salcedo, Miguel Ayun, Javier Hernández. He, ha he doesn't have great skills when it comes to uh, fixing relationship with players. And you're being very, very unfair with Marcelo Flores because we're not going to judge him for 30 minutes with the national team. We have to judge him if he's good enough for the national team with what he does with Arsenal under 23. And you're being very, very unfair with him. Okay. Uh, so we heard from Jorge Tiller, right? He was in charge last night. In charge for Tata Martino, who not just about Marcelo Flores, but about other players, had some very interesting comments earlier this week. This is from Tuesday in his pre-match press conference talking about our good friend of the program here on Football Americas, Javier Hernandez. <laughs> Chicharito is in good form, and the call-up or non-call-up will be defined in the moments that I have to present squad lists for competitions or friendly matches. The previous season, he fell behind, but he started the current one very well. That cannot be denied. All right, so last night, we saw Santiago Jimenez. He started up top. He played 90 minutes, zero goals, got the one shot on goal. That's all. Has that performance and those quotes from Tata Martino opened the door for a return to the national team for Chicharito Mao? To quote the great minds that brought to us Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. So now you're saying the door is not completely shut on Javier Hernandez. Yes, I think that Santiago Jimenez performance left the door open for Chicharito. Not only that performance, since October 27th of last year, that's exactly six months, half a year, El Bebote Jimenez has only managed to score in two games for Cruz Azul. So I don't understand, I do not understand the reason why he's being called up. He's not good enough. Clearly right now, he's not good enough. And Javier Hernandez, now the coaching staff is probably telling us, I mean, we cannot avoid this anymore. The guy is scoring goals. And the biggest problem of this Mexican national team is we do not have currently a goal scorer. Maybe the door now is a little open. So it's because of Santi Jimenez, who's 20 years old? Of course not. What it is, is because Raul Jimenez isn't exactly lighting up the scoreboards right now. And his, who was supposed to be a solution, his backup, uh, Rogelio Funes Mori, isn't either. Oh, and by the way, he's injured. So who do you go with? Henry Martin, who has two goals? JJ Macias, who came back from Getafe, hasn't really been playing with Chivas? Or Santi Jimenez, who, as Mao had pointed out very well, isn't really a starter with Cruz Azul and hasn't done too well with the Mexican national team when given an opportunity. Uh, and by the way, why all these guys aren't taking advantage of the opportunities that they are given with the Mexican national team or at their club level, guess who is? Old reliable, number one, the all-time leading goal scorer for the Mexican national team, Javier Hernandez. And that's why Javier Hernandez has this door open. Mm, yeah, Santiago Jimenez struggling, probably not the thing that's going to open the door. I'm with you. Uh, Raul Jimenez continuing to struggle is going to open the door. The other thing that could open the door, guys, is if, is if we just, everybody agrees to be nice to each other. If we reconcile this thing, right? At some <laughs> point, it's going to get tiresome between here in Qatar every week doing a does the Mexican national team need Chicharito conversation? And I, I can't imagine that there's anyone more tired of that than Tata Martino. So at some point, at some point, Cooler heads here. We've been Hopefully going on, we've been going on for a year and, with this, uh, Seb. Come on. <laughs> I know. I, I know. But, but, but let me at least hold out hope. Let, let the optimist fan in me, which we know is a very, very small part of my personality, uh, hold on hope to that. All right. Our last question here on three questions about the Mexican national team coming off their game last night against Guatemala. Based on last night's performance, should Tata Martino rethink his plan with his Nations League roster for this summer, which, remember, reportedly was to take a young team 
most of the guys or a lot of the guys were assuming that we saw last night, Mal. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. I do know and I do understand that there are going to be three very, very strong, friendly matches. No partidos moleros like the one we saw on Wednesday night in Orlando. And that the team that most likely will make the trip to Qatar, uh, they are going to play those three friendly matches. But if Tata Martino is a little more conscious of what we've seen, the team is not really in great shape. So the thing that I would do is I would take some of the players that we saw on Wednesday night and still bring some of the core from that quote-unquote A team that Tata Martino has in mind for the World Cup. If he can bring a mix of that team, then I think that's the smart approach because it's in no benefit whatsoever for the national team to take the team we saw on Wednesday night to go and play the CONCACAF Nation League. If you want to give some younger players some national team experience, I'm fine with it. But at the same time, you have to bring the A team or part of that A team to those Nations League because they need reps. They do need those reps because the team has proven us that they're not working collectively as one would expect. There's a few reasons for this. A few reasons uh, Tata Martino should rethink this strategy of taking a very young team, a novice team, to the CONCACAF Nations League. Uh, the first one is, Mal pointed out very well, is you've got a very limited amount of days or games that you can prepare with said national team before you go to the World Cup. Clubs are under no obligation to let the players go. They've got a week, a week prior to the World Cup to be let go. Uh, it used to be, in my day, in a regular Summer World Cup, you have a month. That means you have a month to prepare with these national teams. Now you're only going to have a week to let them go. That's a week that you have to prepare for the national team in a World Cup. So every chance you get, every rep you get is crucial. And the second reason he should really think about this is for his own well-being. Does Tata Martino realize that Hugo Sanchez in a pre-Olimpico in Carson, California, <laughs> got fired? Oh, you're going to go there. Got fired when things went south. Imagine things going south if he takes a younger team in this nation's league. CONCACAF Nations League. Do you not think the Mexican Federation might say, hold on a second, maybe we should rethink no, this. We're Kirk, still in come time. On. Hugo Sanchez got fired for come a Olimpico in Carson, California. Yeah, but, but it's different because that was a massive fracaso. If the team doesn't really perform, especially does if it's the B team, and that team doesn't perform well in Nations League, they're not going to fight. At this point, mm -hmm. there's no scenario in which Tata Martino gets fired. If he wasn't fired after what we saw during the octagonal, there's no reason for him to lose, to lose his job at this point. Only behind goal differential Canada. It was, it was pretty bad against Guatemala. I think it definitely gives you at least a reason to maybe rethink what you're going to do with the Nations League, right? Because you look at it, um, and yep. I think for me the big takeaway was really the lack of depth, right? As you saw the gap last night between this, I don't know, Herc, what you call it the other day? Like a BC, or in our production meeting, a this BC a C team. team. C team for Mexico. Uh, and the first team, like, we saw a huge depth, especially if you compare it to the U.S., right? We saw a U.S. C team, did we call it, win the Gold Cup. That team last night is not capable of winning the Gold Cup. Now, in the Nations League, they're not playing the U.S. They're playing Suriname and Jamaica. And that's the only reason why, guys, I would say maybe there's a value to taking a, a fully younger team. And I'll again make the comparison to the U.S., and I'll ask you that question, Mao. 
The United States, the one advantage they have right now over Mexico, the one thing Greg Berhalter definitely did better than Tata Martino in the qualifying cycle was rejuvenate his roster. He played young guys. Mm -hmm. Tata Martino made the choice not to do that. He went with the old faithfuls, the guys he knew he could count on. He didn't rejuvenate the roster. If you don't rejuvenate it in Nations League, if you don't give him a chance against Jamaica and Suriname, when are you ever going to see these young players, Mal? How are you ever going to find that, that diamond in the right that might help you in Qatar? Because at this point, Sebi, Tata Martino doesn't give a you-know-what about those diamonds. <laughs> he wants to win games. He doesn't care about the future. I think I already said that once here on this show. Tata Martino knows he's out of the Mexican national team come December after the World Cup. So at this point, it would be in his best interest to try to get more reps to the team, with a team that's going to play the World Cup. There, he had three previous years to work with younger talent. At this point, it's just too late for that. Herc, final thought on this to you? I like what you said about the quality, the depth, and I think it's very important. I think after seeing that last night, many fans, many pundits were left with that. That's what the room is saying. Maybe the in-league players aren't as good as we thought, and there's a need to start exporting more players, a need to start uh, getting more depth. That's, that's my final thought there. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Mauricio Pedrosa, as always, thanks for joining us here on Football Americas. Continued success with your less-than-quality ho-host on Ahora Nunca. <laughs> Same to you, my man. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. NWSL Challenge Cup semifinals are next week. But how about this, Herc? The regular season starts tomorrow. Actually, your beloved Angel City FC opening at home at Bank of California Stadium against the North Carolina Courage. You got your season tickets sorted yet? You going to be there? Uh, not, not yet. No season tickets yet. The games are not in my favor for the times. But I'm still waiting on that jersey. Did Julie give you the jersey? Did you get no. yours yet? No. No. Nope. We all, we're, all, we're all still waiting. We do, however, know that our producer, Alberto, he'll be there. Beto's going to be there. So, uh, Football Americas will be represented at, at Bank of California. All right, Herc, usually on this show, I'm the one asking you the questions. Let's do a little role reversal here as we get ready for our NWSL regular season preview. Why don't you lead us through it? All right, topic number one. It's the 10th season of the NWSL. So very easily, who will be this year's Trinity Rodman, Seb? Give me someone. Okay, so I'm going to go with Jalen Howe of Racing Louisville. Now, uh, she was drafted second overall in the last draft out of Florida State. Now, why do I say her? First of all, she's not going to be like Rodman. She's not going to get the hype that Rodman got just because she's not an attacking player, right? She's more of a holding midfield player. But this is a dominant, dominant player, Herc, and a player that has won at every level that she's played at. She won a World Cup at the under-17 levels. She won national championships with Florida State in college. And she plays a position that's going to be big for a club team, but big for the national team as well. Remember, Julie Ertz is pregnant. And that defensive holding midfield spot, if Jalen Howell has a big season for racing Louisville, watch out on the national team. And those kids are sick. All right, all right. right, We're focused on the young players, but let's go to the vets. Which U.S. women's national team veteran will have the biggest year? Mm. It's a long list. Those are some big names there, right? Press, Rapino. I'm going to go with Alex Morgan. One, 
San Diego can score. They got some pieces up top that I like around her. Uh, Sophia Jakobsen, the Swedish player, Jody Taylor. I think those players up top with Alex Morgan will allow her to have a good season. Plus, I already have some data here, right? She's got four goals already, Herc, in the Challenge Cup. So I'm not really going out <laughs> too far uh, on a limb here uh, when I talk about Alex Morgan. But I do think that Alex Morgan, of those players that we just saw, has the most direct competition for her spot on the national team, right? There's only one person that can play the number nine. We see every week what Katarina Macario is doing with Lyon. We see every week what Ashley Hatch did last season with the Washington Spirit. And by the way, Ashley Hatch has been very productive in the limited minutes that she's gotten with the U.S. women's national team. So I think Alex Morgan needs a big season, Herc, with San Diego, and I think she's going to have it. Yeah, I think you're already seeing a big season from Alex Morgan, and I think you're right. If we had to bet on one player, never bet against Alex Morgan. All mm -hmm. right, next one. Listen, last year the story of the NWSL, unfortunately, uh, a lot of talk was on the managers. So this year, who's the manager that will make the biggest impact? So I'm thinking I kind of wanted to make this somebody new, right? I'm going to go with Laura Harvey here of OL Ray. Now, she took over last August, so it's not exactly new, new, but it is a lot of time. It's a lot of time for a coach like Laura Harvey to have her impact on this team. And one, she's very familiar with this team. She coached them from 2013 to 2017 uh, and had a very, very good track record of success. By the way, that track record of success, not just at OL Reign. She's done it in early days, uh, NWSL, when it was Reign FC. She's done it in England with Arsenal back in the day. And she's actually done some great work with the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, as well at the international level and the youth international level. So she's got that resume, Herc. And by the way, OL Reign are already a very, very good team. You remember last year, they were right in that shield race to the very, very end with the Portland Thorns. Just got nicked at the end. So uh, I think OL Reign, Laura Harvey, do not bet against that com combination. Uh, speaking of shield, let's go final question, Seb. And I need you to surprise me and not be a homer here. Nah. Okay, 2022 NWSL Shield winner will be. Woo. Okay, there's some, there's some good teams up there. Where am I doing the Where am I doing the show from right now? I'm in the I am in the nation's capital, Herc. So I'm going I'm going Washington Lord. Spirit. Uh, we're gonna see this later. I was at the congressional soccer match last night, and the Washington Spirit were actually there with their 2021 NWSL Championship trophy. So I got to see it firsthand. Now I'm looking at this team last night on the field. And I'm saying. This team is stacked, right? They got national team gravitas. You got, you got players with World Cup histories. Kelly O'Hara, Emily Sonnet, uh, Aubrey Bledsoe, now Aubrey Kingsbury, the goalie. Super solid at the back. But it's all about that talent up top and really the young core of this team. Andy Sullivan, Ashley Hatch, Ashley Sanchez, Trinity Rodman. Those four players, Herc, it's not a crazy stretch to say that all four of those in the next year, year and a half, could be starters for the U.S. women's national team. Dude, the Washington spirit are absolutely stacked. So in no way, Herc, in no way am I showing any bias in picking the Washington spirit to be shield winners. Or do you say differently? Uh, I do say different. I think it'll be something in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Portland or, or, or Rain. So I'll, I'll stay there. Okay, um, fair enough. We do have more news, Herc, out of the National Women's Soccer League down in Houston. The Houston Dash suspending head coach and general manager James Clarkson on Tuesday due to an ongoing investigation to, quote, review current and historic complaints of discrimination, harassment, and abuse. The Dash said an interim coach uh, will be named in the coming days. Houston opening its regular season Sunday against San Diego. Per a news release, the club received initial findings from a joint investigation by both the NWSL and the NWSL PA that began last year. 
The Dash will reportedly await a final uh, report, excuse me, before deciding on Clarkson's future. Meanwhile, U.S. Women's National Team star Tobin Heath has been released her, from her contract at Arsenal, the club announcing uh, that earlier today. Both parties have agreed for Heath to leave the club early after she picked up a hamstring injury last week. That ruling route for the rest of the season. The 33-year-old's contract at Arsenal was due to expire at the end of the campaign, and the club said she will return to the United States to work with her personal medical team. For those wondering... Her NWSL rights do belong to Racing Louisville. Uh, Heath telling Arsenal's website she was disappointed but loved every minute of her time with the club. Ah, oh, you're going to love this. 31 years ago today, April 28, 1991, the U.S. Women's National Team qualifying for the first ever Women's World Cup beating Canada 5-0 in Haiti. And I think we got a, we got a Julie Foudy oh, assist in here. 20-year-old Stanford Julie. Look at that! Uh, by the way, crazy match in Haiti. What is that? 40,000 in the stands. You want to hear something crazy about this? Go on. The average roster age for this roster, for this team, was 23.3 years old. Per mm. U.S. Soccer, today's average rosters for the U.S. Women's National Team, 28 years old or over. U.S. outscored the opponents 49 to nothing in that tourney. They, of course, so went on to win the World Cup later that year in China. The first of those four stars that you see there above the U.S. crest. The pursuit of the fifth continues in a couple months, actually, but want to give you a good heads up. Here on ESPN, it's U.S. against Colombia, June 28th, one of the last tune-ups for Vladko Andonovsky and company before World Cup and Olympic qualifying begins in Mexico. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Speaking of Mexico, we got some big news in Liga Mekis. André Pierre Gignac has picked up a muscular injury, Herc, in his left thigh, putting in doubt the Frenchman's participation in the upcoming Mexican postseason. Right now, Herc Tigres find them second uh, in the table. You have long said that this team are your favorites to win the title. Does this change that? I'm okay. I'm not worried. Um, all right. So I'm Is one there for a two meme so of you sitting in a room uh, full of fire right now? That we should be <laughs> exactly. Playing? I'm one for two because I did say Tigres would be champions. I also said Tigres uh, leading uh, goal scorer would be Andre Pierre Gignac and it would be Golden Boot. He will most likely be that. Mm -hmm. He's up by two goals right now. There are two other players chasing him. He will most likely be that. Here's where I am worried. They've only won once in the last five games, okay? It's a little worrisome to see how Miguel Herrera's team has faltered down the stretch. Uh, what I will say is hardest competition, they've already played against probably. And the, the one thing that I will take solace in is they will have home field advantage throughout the, the Liga Mekis uh, and what that means is they're a very good home team. Only two teams have gotten the best of them at home this season, Pachuca and America, and the best version, I'm sorry, Puebla and America, and the best version of Puebla early on, and the very best version of America right now against a faltering Tigres. So I'm not too worried, and also, yes, Andre Pierre Gignac, 11 goals are gone, but you still have a lot of firepower. Last year's Campeón de Goleo, 
Viente Lopez. He hasn't really gotten going this season. You still have Tavon, you still have Quinones, you still have este Rodriguez. You've got a lot of firepower there. I think they'll be okay. They'll steady the ship. And from everything we're hearing, he'll only miss that first week. So I'm holding strong with Tigres to win it all. I'm with you about the firepower, right? He's got 11 goals, but they got 29 so far. That's second best in the league. They got a lot of other guys that can hurt you at Tigres. I'm not so much worried about their attack. I'm a little bit more worried, Herc, I would say, uh, in the global perspective. No, because we have seen them. You mentioned just one win in the last five. There's three losses um, in the last five. And I'll go back to that America match. You know, it's one that I watch very closely. Uh, and I think you said this when we discussed the game a little bit. Nahuel Guzman in that game was Tigres' best player. Yeah. And I remember, oh, man, I, I remember so many times how you used to dog me when it was Memo Choa or before that Marchesin was America's best player. Where's the, where's the talent on this team if the best player is your goalie? Dude, what does it say about Tigres that against an America team that a couple months ago was last place, last place in the table, the best player on the field was the goalie, dude. Tigres is definitely that trending in a, a bad, bad direction. That's the difference. When we talk about America's best player being Memo Choa, it's not one game. It's throughout the majority of their season. That is a huge difference. But I agree with what you're saying. And that span of those three games they've lost, they were thoroughly outscored, uh, thoroughly outplayed for the majority of them. And outcoached, which is the most worrisome part, mm. because the one thing that was supposed to really change Tigres was the coach, Miguel Herrera. And the, the games that he lost, outcoached by Jimmy Lozano, outcoached by Aitano Ortiz, and outcoached by Larcamón, oof. Tigres are at the top of the table, Herc, but uh, what about the bottom of the table? Because that's really what matters as we approach the final week of the regular season in Mexico, right? We get ready for Liguilla. We're talking repechaje. Sure, there's the race for the top four. You want that five, but really you want to make sure uh, you're one of those teams five to 12, so you at least give yourself a chance. Herc, let's give the folks some bold predictions. Uh, what's something that's going to happen this weekend that nobody expects? Imagine this, Seb. America are going to go in, not repechaje, directamente to Liguilla as a top four and as the top three team. From wow. dead in the water last place, okay, to what will be eight undefeated, seven straight wins to get there. And why do I feel so confident? Forget about their record that I just mentioned to you. Uh, look at who their opponents have to play, Puebla and Atlas, who are ahead of them. Puebla's got to go against Mazatlán, who are playing for their lives in Puebla. They've won once in the last seven games. And also, Atlas has got to go against Tigres. And Atlas also been faltering going against Tigres, who now will be under or without Gignac, who I think will have something to prove in that Tigres team. Uh, this is not going to be easy for those teams. And I could see America right now outshining Cruz Azul, who's been faltering so bad. They've been so bad down the stretch. And just out of nowhere, dead in the water to claim a top three finish? That is insane. Nah, nah, it's not insane. It's music to my ears, Hercules <laughs> Gomez. You showering Club America with praise here on Football Americas. All right, my bold prediction is not going to be so optimistic. No, no, no. It's got to do with Pumas. I believe that Pumas, when they play in the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final next week against Seattle Sounders at Lumen Field, will do so as a team that didn't even qualify for La Liga. That's right. I don't even think they're going to make it into the top 12. Now, uh, maybe it's not that bold of a prediction, Hurt, because right now, Pumas sit 12th. They're literally right on the line. They only got one game left. But uh, as we mentioned, it is against Pachuca, the number one team, not just in the table, but the number one offense as well that we've seen so far in Liga Mekki. So it's not the matchup that you want if you're Pumas on the last week when you need a win because 
Pumas has a lot of teams right behind them, right? If they only get a draw, they open the door for Mazatlan, Toluca, Santos, Cholos. One of those teams, just one of those teams has to win. And if Pumas drop points, they're the ones that are dropping out of that top 12. So tell me I'm crazy, Herc. I think Pumas are playing next week in the CONCACAF Champions League with nothing else to focus on the well, rest of the not, way. You're a little crazy because it wouldn't be that bold of a prediction, you know, because what we'll be seeing from Pumas is just how stretched they can be. But what I will say, Seb, is... Uh, I am left a little with a little comfort for Pumas uh, because they're going to be playing, excuse me, against a Pachuca team that's already in. I mean, yeah. whether they win, lose, or draw, it doesn't change the fact that they're the best regular season team, so they may be resting players. Yeah, but Pumas going to be resting players too, we would assume, right? I mean, I, you don't think starting so? them. Uh, what would you do? Real quick, what would you do? What would you focus on? Because that's I a big question. Pumas, I would pick one. And it's a lot easier to win a final if it's nah. one game than to go into Ligia and start thinking about home and away series to get there. So I would pick one. There you go. Uh, okay, let's take a look at the SPI, see what the computers are telling us about uh, who's going to win this Liga Mekis title. Look, um, the computers, Herc, at least the computers, they still agree with you giving uh, Tigres the best shot there. At 24%. Where's America? Oh, I think America. 19% from last place to a 19%. I'm usually not called computer, they call me Makina. Ah, okay, all right, Mr. Algorithm. All right, uh, to La Liga, Yunus Musa and Valencia hoping to bounce back from their heartbreaking Copa del Rey final defeat last weekend against Real Betis. Up next for Los Che Levante, which is a Valencia derby. For a preview of the match, Musa spoke earlier today with our good friend and former guest here on Football Americas, Rodrigo Faez. You're going to face Levante this weekend. Um, how does it feel to play a, a derby like that? Yeah, no, uh, my first game in the Liga was against them as well, and uh, it was a great match. And uh, playing them again in Mestalla remem reminds me of my first match. And um, no, it's uh, something that obviously is great, big for us and the fans and uh, we just want to win the game. Knowing that Levante is just struggling a lot this season, uh, for you, uh, is maybe a little bit easier, if, if we can say that, uh, in a derby like uh, Valencian? Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a, you know, uh, it shouldn't feel like that before the game, because I feel like Levante are going to come with everything, because they're the last chances to, to survive in the league. So they're going to come with everything and we need to match them because uh, if, they, if they have more energy than us and, you know, go more than us, they're going to beat us, you know. So we need to match that and play better than them. How would you describe, for example, to your friends in uh, whatever, in USA, in Africa or in, in England, how would you describe uh, La Liga and Valencia? I would describe it as um, a league where the level of the teams is very high and also the difference between the top teams and the lower teams you know some sometimes the lower the team at the bottom can win against the team at the top you know it's, there's not too much difference between the teams a little bit of difference you know and uh, that's that's i think one of the main things it's a it's a great league and every team competes very very highly you get out tell Pulisic to come to Spain, please. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Would you think that he could fit here in Spain? Yeah, definitely. Cushion is a great player and uh, he can fit anywhere, really. So, wherever, wherever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for example, with Pulisic, you're going to face uh, Qatar 2022. Uh, do you think you're, you're, you're going to go through the group stage? Because, I mean, right after the draw, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, no, uh, it's a nice group. Uh, I want, hopefully, I'll, uh, the manager will pick me to go to the World Cup and... Um, I want to play uh, obviously the group stage, uh, the games and stuff, 
and uh, the, the group looks good because uh, there's England in the group. So I'm excited about if I get picked to play against England, you know. And uh, no, I think if we if we work really hard and we play as we can, we can we can do so many big things, like passing the group stage, for example. People like you. Um I don't know if you, if you consider yourself like a reference, like an icon for, for the people in North America. I mean, in order to, to place Valencia and La Liga like a big issue in, in the USA. I mean, like, for example, uh, like for all the children that follow USA national team, like you uh, are like the main reference for, for Spanish football there. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's in the US it's difficult to get out of there and play, obviously, in... Uh, in La Liga and stuff, but uh, now there's more academies out there, there's more programs and there's top players out there in the MLS, young players coming, you know, coming uh, into Europe. So no, uh, the potential is really high and, you know, they could, uh, they could do anything, they could achieve so much. Latest here on uh, Matthew Hoppy Herc, Atlanta United have kept an eye on the young American. They, in fact, Went to scout and play. Okay. What happened? The uh, training session was behind closed doors. And he didn't play. So he didn't play in the game, and the training session is behind closed doors, and they're not going to let just random scouts go check out the players. So you're telling me Jonathan Spector, my boy, who's a scout for Atlanta United, just went on a free trip to Spain? <laughs> mm. I mean, and not just anywhere in Spain, huh? Mallorca. It's a good little holiday, mate. <laughs> Man, uh, got to send the email. You got to make sure everything's uh, sorted before you go off on those international trips. More La Liga on ESPN Plus coming up this weekend. Real Madrid against Espanol. Real Madrid with a win or a draw can clinch the league title. Parting shots. Look who's making the tours of Mexico City, just like us a few weeks ago. Gianni Infantino, FIFA president. Uh, stopped to see Mexico's president. He was at Estadio Azteca as well. What do you make of it, Herc? Making the rounds for the World Cup, but this man had the audacity mm. to tell the press that he enjoyed the cheering at Seoul. He had the audacity to talk about that stuff, uh, even though I enjoyed it. But you can't mention that rah, rah, rah without knowing the homophobic chant will somehow come into play. It's uh, probably worth noting, he did, as I mentioned, visit the Estadio Azteca renovations there for the aforementioned 2026 World Cup, scheduled to begin early next year. Uh, all right, Herka, before we get out of here, a couple quick notes, because there's been some stuff breaking throughout the show. The Miami Freedom Park Stadium Project, which is uh, Inter-Miami's stadium project, has just been approved uh, in a vote. So we'll have more on that on the next edition of Football Americas, but a huge step for Inter-Miami in their search for a permanent home. Christian Pulisic uh, played today against Manchester United for Chelsea, came off the bench in the 71st minute in a 1-1 draw. Uh, and I'll end the show with this. Happy anniversary to my lovely wife, Keely. And without her, Herc, and you know the story well, I don't know that Football Americas would exist. Point to the and shirt! Point to the shirt. Point to the shirt. Look at that. I got a shirt with her name on it. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, all right. So uh, thanks to Keely. Thanks to everybody else who was a part of this show. Love. And uh, we will see you next week here on Football Americas. Have a good weekend. It's a mother.